Hello, welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan here in Victoria, BC. In this program, we all discover jazz old and new together. We'll listen to a wide variety of jazz styles and I'll present different topics, giving ideas as to what we can listen for to enhance our experience. Thanks to Peterborough Independent Podcasters for hosting this podcast. For the next 60 minutes, Discovering Jazz. So somebody asks you if you like jazz. Well, what can you say? Are they talking about this? Or this? Or maybe this is what they think of as jazz. Possibly this. And then there's this. How lovely to be a woman And change from boys to men To go to a fancy nightclub And stay out after Every single one of those tracks are from an album that received at least a four-star review in uh, the world's most popular and oldest jazz magazine, Downbeat. And they all fit under the rubric of jazz. In today's episode of Discovering Jazz, I'm going to try to make sense of all these current subgenres of jazz that uh, you can hear played on podcasts and jazz radio stations. There's hard bop, post bop, bebop, smooth jazz, swing, free jazz, Afro-Cuban, bossa nova or Latin, astral jazz, cool jazz, fusion, funk, world jazz, etc, etc, etc. Let's start with the one that has probably lasted the longest from the 1920s till now, and it's been passe at times, and then somebody revives it. I'm talking about swing. Here's an album that has a lot of swing that's currently high on the jazz charts. Tom Keenly-side from A Night at the Espresso with Melody Diachin on vocals. Cole Porter's All of You. Control of you 
and handle even the heart and soul of you. So love at least a small percent of me do. For I love Small 
Vancouver flautist Tom Keenleyside with Melody Dietchen. And uh, it's an album currently riding the jazz radio charts throughout North America. And it also features Brad Turner on trumpet, Miles Black piano, Miles Fox Hill on bass, and Bernie Array drums. So Swing, with some of its best-known bands being those of Benny Goodman, Duke Ellington, and Count Basie, started losing its influence in 1945 when there was a three-year recorded music strike and no jazz bands could record. So a less commercial form of music, bebop, began to develop as uh, these musicians would get together after hours in clubs. In bebop, the chord changes come hard and fast, even if it's based on chord sequences of earlier songs. And the melodies, they seem to go all over the place. And it wasn't danceable the way swing was, but required close listening. A bebop musician really had to know their scales. It was mostly smaller combos of musicians playing it. And when the strike ended, the beboppers' energy carried through to the most dedicated of the listening public, and people such as Charlie Parker, Thelonious Monk, Dizzy Gillespie, and Max Roach thrived. Bebop was more conducive to experimentation than the more orchestrated swing style was, so there was a lot of energy there. And it lasted until about 1955, although there still are a lot of bebop-oriented albums that get released. Here's a classic bebop tune, and there's some debate as to whether it was written by Charlie Parker or Miles Davis a modern version of Donna Lee from last year by orchestra leader John Beasley and his Monkestra and rated as one of the best albums of 2020. Thank you. 
Yeah, I know it's not a classic illustration of bebop. Uh, I guess you can call it modern bebop. That's John Beasley's Monkestra with the Charlie Parker classic Donnelly. Before I move on to other subgenres of jazz, I found something that gives you a quick and dirty summary of many of those styles of jazz, and I want to play it for you. It's Happy Birthday, played in eight styles of jazz, starting with ragtime, then New Orleans-style early jazz, followed by swing, then bebop, then cool jazz, followed by hard bop, bossa nova, and Afro-Cuban. This is courtesy of horn player Ben Saylor. Okay, now we're getting to the subgenres we're covering on this program. Here's an example of swing. about a bit of bebop. Touch of cool jazz. your more happy birthday hard bop style
now the very familiar bossa nova style flowing into Afro-Cuban. So what is this hard bop category that seems so predominant in describing most jazz releases since the early 1950s? Some have used the term post-bop, but that's not a particularly meaningful category as it really refers to almost anything after 1965. But hard bop also conveys many different things, including modal jazz, soul jazz, and even a style of playing that was found in both older and current recordings on the ECM label. It uh, was an attempt to bring bebop back to its black roots, reintroducing blues and gospel and slowing the music down. Lots of tenor sax, and often political, since it did become most popular in the middle of the civil rights movement in the U.S. When you talk about the founders, the names of Horace Silver and Art Blakey are most often given, as their jazz messengers were very, were very much at the forefront of, um, of uh, hard bop. Also early exponents of hard bop were Sonny Rollins, alto saxophonist Jackie McLean, Miles Davis in his mid to late 50s period, and John Coltrane. Let's play something by Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers with Horace Silver. From 1955, this is Stop Time with Art Blakey on drums, Horace Silver piano, Kenny Dorham trumpet, Hank Mobley on tenor sax, and Doug Watkins bass. Thank you. 
Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers with an example, a great example of what has been termed hard bop. Another style of music that some have also described as being a reaction to bebop is cool jazz. The term cool started being applied to this music around 1953 when Capitol Records released the album Classics in Jazz, Cool and Quiet. But it was happening well before that, around the same time as bebop. In fact, some have argued that Bix Beiderbecke, who died in 1931, and his lovely composition of In a Mist, which was influenced by classic Impressionist composers Debussy and Ravel, was an exponent of cool jazz. More often considered at the forefront of this movement were the Claude Thornhill Orchestra, Miles Davis's Birth of the Cool No Net, where he used some of the great players who played and arranged for Thornhill. That was Jerry Mulligan, Gil Evans, and Lee Connitz. And then there was Woody Herman's Four Brothers saxophone section of Zoot Sims, Sears Cheloff, Herbie Stewart, and Stan Getz, all played in the light, almost vibratoless style of their idol, Lester Young, written by Jimmy Jufri. Here is that 1947 recording of Four Brothers, and it's probably not something you think of as being cool jazz. Give a listen. Thank you. 
Woody Herman Orchestra, Four Brothers from 1947. Let's slow down the cool and play that Pick Spiderbeck tune that he wrote in 1927. This is a 1964 version of it by trumpeter Clark Terry, and it's with Phil Woods and Ben Webster on saxophones, Roger Kellaway piano, Milt Hinton bass, and drummer Walter Perkins in a mist.
Clark Terry. While the heyday of cool jazz was the early 1950s to mid-60s, you still hear a lot of it today. Another subgenre of jazz is what they call Latin jazz. Sometimes this can mean bossa nova, which went viral in the mid-60s, and blended hard bop and bebop with samba rhythms. Then there's the other Latin jazz, totally different, which is Afro-Cuban. This was brought to us courtesy of Dizzy Gillespie and Chano Pozo, plus a number of other Cuban and uh, Latin American players. Alan Castle in his podcast called 10-Minute Record Reviews. In episode 271 of his podcast, talks about 10 subgenres of jazz. And for the Afro-Cuban, he says that this next track by percussionist Ray Barreto will rock your world. Acid.
percussionist Ray Barreto, Acid, from 1968. There are a lot more subgenres of jazz I haven't played. There's soul jazz, modal jazz, the ECM sound of people like Keith Jarrett, Carla Bley, and Eberhard Weber. There's free jazz, jazz funk, jazz fusion, spiritual or astral jazz, third stream or classical, and of course, the bane of all real jazz fanatics, smooth jazz. I have time for a couple more selections. One thing I find about a lot of smooth jazz is that it takes a lot of the jazz funk and turns it into vanilla pudding. It's pleasant to listen to and even dance to, but it probably isn't going to inspire too many of us onto greater heights. And that's okay. Sometimes good enough is good enough. Originally from Windsor, Ontario, now living in Detroit, here is flautist Alexander Zonjic, a tune called Hipster from 2020.
Alexander Zonjik, Z-O-N-J-I-C, hipster, an example of smooth jazz, which you end up hearing on more and more jazz radio stations. Not so much of it on my podcast. Just to contrast with that, how about some free jazz? From 1967 on Impulse Records, Archie Shep, The Magic of Juju is considered a masterpiece. Because that classic track is 20 minutes long and we're running out of time, I'm going to play about just about five minutes of it. The title track, The Magic of Juju, Archie Shep. Oh, my God. 
Great example of free jazz. Archie Shep. Let's end with something that some people equate with smooth jazz, but really isn't at all. It would probably be more under the rubric of jazz fusion or jazz rock, and it appeals to a lot of people who love prog rock. This is guitarist Pat Nathini, someone with whom I only recently resonated when I heard some of his latest album. It's hard to put this into any specific category of jazz. This is from that latest album called Side Eye from 2021. The album was on quite a few best of lists from this year. The tune is called Lodger with James Francis on piano, organ and synth, and Marcus Gilmore on drums, Pat Metheny. And this is Larry Sademan saying bye for now inviting you to tune in next week to another episode of Discovering Jazz, where we're going to have a very special guest.